0: Welcome back to Cinema Adventure, a movie podcast where every week we talk about a film. Mm-hmm. This week we're joined by Alex Bruell. I'm Aiden Walker. And I'm Blake Peters. Oh, <laughs> <I forgot laughs> and me me it me it. I'm Alex I Bruel. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Alex. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, Alex has been a real influence for us. He taught me how to do a lot of podcast things. He was the producer who created our music, so thank you for that, first of all. But yeah, so Alex is joining us as our guest today, and he chose a very interesting movie chose Predestination, so tell us about that. Why why this film?
1: Yeah, so Predestination stars uh, Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook, and it's kind of billed as your typical mind-bending sci-fi movie, but I wanted to pick a time travel sci-fi movie to begin with. I didn't want to pick something like Back to the Future that I thought everyone's seen Back to the Future. I wanted to pick something a little more obscure, so I went with Predestination because It's a mind-bender, but it's got, I think, one of the better mind-bending plot twists of time travel movies I've seen. It's based off a book by Robert Henlon, I believe, called All You Zombies. Um, That line is, like, in the movie, so they kind of reference the book. I really like this movie. I have, like, this taxonomy of time travel movies that I kind of sketch together. <laughs> so it's in the... Do you have
0: a physical drawing I, with I, you? I, oh, I wow. do, yeah. It's right here. So, oh, wow. So, Love it. so
1: there's a there's a sliding scale from, like, really, really scientific and dry to movies that play fast and loose with the science and just focus on the fun of it. This movie, like, is perfectly in the middle, along with, like, Looper and Terminator. But I consider this a can-you-change-Destiny kind of time travel movie. So along with Terminator, Looper, Donnie Darko, it's one of those movies where characters over time begin to realize, oh, I'm going to do this at some point in the future, and I don't want to do this at some point in the future. And so they have to make the decision, first of all, if they're going to try to rebel against their future selves, and then secondarily, if they even can rebel against their future selves. So I like that kind of movie a lot. You have kind of on on the, kind of the fast and loose end a lot of, I think probably the most popular kind of time travel movie is the Day in the Life movie. So that's your Groundhog's Day, Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow, the recently released Happy Death Day. All all movies where you're living one day on loop and you have to get it perfect before the loop ends. And those are great. What I like about Predestination is it's got a little bit more complexity thrown into it. There's like a lot going on and you're kind of thinking, okay, how is this character interacting with this character? That's why I chose it. I thought it would be kind of a cool way to enter into a larger discussion about time travel movies.
0: It's a pretty large genre at this point, I'd say. And it's, all, it's not handled the same way every time. I like that about time travel movies, because time travel always looks different. It's never really repeated in the way that it looks.
1: Exactly. And I want to say I really enjoyed Happy Death Day, and I want to see more time travel done in that style. Like all sci-fi, time travel has a bit of a stereotype as being like a dorky male very like esoteric kind of genre and i think it's better if we see it being explored you know in ways that are different and you don't necessarily need a time travel machine you don't necessarily need a guy who is spouting off techno babble you can take the genre in more interesting directions you can do new things with it and i want to see more movies doing that i think that's the way you innovate in any kind of film genre
0: so I haven't seen Happy Death Day. What is the plot of that? I know it's it's like Groundhog Day, where yeah. it's a, a girl who m- repeatedly is murdered over and over again. Right? She has to solve the mystery of who her murderer is.
1: Yeah, literally, the last line in the movie uh, <laughs> is reference is a reference to Groundhog Day. So it's uh, it's very much in the vein of that film. But the I mean, the general plot of it is it's this girl in college. She, you know, there's all these. You know, she has like this not great relationship with her dad. She's having an affair with one of her professors. So there's all these things going on in her life that she's not super proud of. At one point in the movie, she is going to a party and some masked killer comes and kills her. And she wakes up in the same day. You know, it happens at like 11 at night. And so she wakes up at like 7 a.m. that same day and just starts repeating that day. Each Every time at the end of the day, she gets killed again. And so she realizes, oh, I have to find out who's trying to kill me and stop them so I can stop reliving this day. And as she does that, she eventually, of course, figures out who it is and stops them. But it's also a catalyst for her to like improve her life. And, and so it's it's... Really, it's very similar to Groundhog Day. You have that same connection. But it's told through the perspective of, like, a early 20s girl in college, which is
2: super interesting. Yeah, I've been dying to see that, personally. Like, I somehow, like, I, it was in theaters for a long time. Almost saw it multiple times and just never got around to it.
0: Yeah, I remember then, watching the trailer for it in the theater and being like, I want
2: to see this. Oh, and then sure. it showed the
0: title of the movie at the end,
2: and I went, ooh,
0: maybe I don't want to no, see this.
2: Because it looks almost like a combination of almost like the screen movies, like this kind of self-referential kind of fun Teen horror movie, but then it's also Groundhog Day, so it does look really interesting. Definitely. I would say that's
1: a perfect way of describing it. It okay. definitely has a lot of Scream kind of vibes to mm-hmm. it. I mean, love that. It, it's really, it really is like a horror sci-fi movie. You've, I mean, the what kind of drives the plot forward is the identity of this murderer, and but what's great is that then it's like it's really funny. She's like, "Ugh, oh, I'm getting killed again. Like, here he comes again. <laughs> God damn it!" And that's really fun. And that's I think kind of like that playfulness is something I I love seeing. And, and, time tra- and, like, sci-fi in general is, like, it's, you know, you're not, like, treating the the ideas as so heavenly that, you know, it's, it's fun to have characters kind of play
2: with it a little bit. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I like Predestination too, is it does have this kind of pulpy sensibility. It is very stylized in the way it looks, and it is pretty lighthearted for the most part, but it does also have this complexity that you don't see in time travel movies very often. And so I like how it kind of marries that intellect versus just this crowd-pleasing tone yeah Yeah. should we should we jump into it yeah let's before i talk about the plot i i agree and the like the
1: aesthetic of predestination is great so it's based off that book by robert henlon who's prolifically writing i believe in the 80s and it just it it reeks of that time period in the best way it's a pretty low budget movie all things considered you know the special effects in it are very subdued there's not really any time you don't see like oh here's the big burst of plasma as someone time travels (laughs) and i actually like that a lot i think some of the best sci-fi is very minimalistic and simplistic and you know i I love back to the future i love terminator i love seeing like the big explosions of energy but there's something to be said for a movie that like puts the concept of time travel before the spectacle and this movie does that well another thing i like about it is it's an action movie that has very little violence in it. And I think one problem we tend to make is oftentimes a lot of us conflate action with violence. And we think, oh, violence is the best kind of action. You can't have an action movie without violence. And yeah, this movie has violence. I mean, the the core of the movie, the plot of it, is about someone trying to stop a time-traveling bomber. So yeah, the movie has obviously that element in it. But some of the best action is just like really fun stuff. You know, like scenes of girls training to go to space people gosh i'm trying to remember like scenes from the movie um there's there's a, there's a lot of good scenes that are not super exciting but they they've got like this forward momentum to them
0: yeah i like, guess there's the scene where um the two main characters are or i should i say character are in um the bar home. Oh, plot twist <laughs> are we getting uh, this? are
1: we are we spoilers oh we, totally okay, spoilers. okay yeah. great. Um, <laughs>
0: the two characters are in are in the bar and then it's the point where ethan hawk's like oh come to the basement it's time for me to show you this thing and like the suspense leading up to kind of the reveal of oh i'm going to show you time travel now is like exciting because it's been building and building and building for so long
1: right and ethan i mean ethan hawk is is great in this movie he especially as the bartender he's got like this great just like goofiness to him that is like weird but i think it really works and Sarah Snook is really great. I mean, she gives like a really intense but kind of like controlled performance, which is what you want from her character. So, yeah, I mean, we're getting into spoilers. Literally, every main character in this movie is the same person. They're all Jane slash John. She is a woman who is born with two sets of genitals that are both fully functioning. She gives birth to a baby, which damages her female organs. So she lives as a man. And then, as that man, she goes back in time and impregnates her female self. Thus giving birth to herself, which is great. It's like that is (laughs) wild. That's so ridiculous and crazy. And it's the it's the kind of thing that could only happen in a time travel movie. And I, I like seeing the genre kind of being pushed to explore ideas like that. There's nothing worse than a time travel movie that solves a problem that could be solved without time travel. So it's like, well, why did we even why even bother? This is great that it has kind of that twist. And then, of course, you've Ethan Hawke's character, you know, she, like, gets her face burned off, and then she gets reconstructive surgery, and that's how you learn that she's also Ethan Hawke's character.
0: <laughs> we were joking. I, I we were texting that. in between each other while we were watching it, and I was like, man, I wish I could have a skin graft surgery and look like Ethan Hawke afterwards.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But yeah, no, this movie, too, impresses me because it does have this ridiculous premise that, like, so many levels of it. You could be like, why would you go and impregnate yourself? And there are all these motivations that you're just like, this is... Crazy, but because the movie is lighthearted for the most part because it does feel almost like a comic book in the way it's structured, you just kind of go with it. I think it suffers a little bit from second viewing because this is the second time I've seen it. And the first one, I was just so, like, in awe of the Spearbert. How do you say the, the director's last name? Is it speed I think it's Spearig. Spearig, whatever. Yeah. I was just, like, so impressed by their audacity that I was just, like, blown away. And then the second time, you kind of question things a little bit more, but... Yeah, it does because it has these this kind of combination of all these tones It works for the most part. I think if it were a more serious movie and trying to seem really intellectual and philosophical, it might come off across a little bit unbelievable and ridiculous, but That's I think it works. The, yeah,
1: I, I agree. I actually like just rewatched it an hour ago before coming here to talk to you guys because <laughs> I wanted to have it fresh on the mind. Yeah, And there are definitely elements to it on a second viewing where I'm like, that, that plot line kind of evaporates or, mm-hmm. you know... This person already knows this is going to happen. Why are they not doing something differently? I'm trying to think. You have Robertson, who is like the, the government, you know, the G-man, uh, who kind of instigates a lot of the plot. It, his vagueness makes sense in the context of the story, but there are parts where it's like, you could have accomplished this much better if you were, uh, I think specifically when he, like, is testing her to induct her into the, you know, their program. And he kind of throws her around a lot in doing that, which feels a little bit unnecessary. But I mean that's kind of classic movie. I mean that I, mm-hmm. I don't dock much for that. What What is more weird is that Jane Sarah Snook, you know, when she realizes, oh, I'm gonna be, she's like, oh, the the me is is in the past. You know, it is this younger girl that I'm talking to. She like plays along beat for beat with everything that's happening, and she did, she kind of does so consciously and without having a moment where she like, you know, I like to think in that situation I'd be like, hey, by the way, I know exactly what you're thinking because I'm you, and this is really <laughs> crazy, and like. I don't want to repeat what what I know is going to happen, which, you know, it's just, it is, for the sake of the movie, that's, I guess that's the point they're making, is it's predestined. It's predestination.
0: There are parts
1: in that where, you're right, I think if it had a more serious tone, you wouldn't really be able to accept some of that, Mm -hmm. those choices.
0: Yeah, Yeah. just that, that idea of, like, they say it multiple times, you know, some things are just meant to happen. And I kept on thinking that there was going to be, like, another twist near to the end that would kind of reveal the last thing. Because I was thinking throughout the movie, you know, like, even if you do have two sets of genitalia and you do have sex with your past self, it's not how genetics work. You won't give birth to yourself. It's just not how that works at all. And even if
1: you did, that baby would be, like... Yeah. I'm sure it would have, like, a lot of genetic just dis- <laughs> There would be a lot. There's a lot There'd of some problems. some like, um, Yeah.
0: So I was thinking, you know, they do mention that it's a paradox at one point. They're like, you are a time paradox, and you're the only reason we can keep doing this. Like, this is what the organization is saying. And I was kind of hoping that there would be some kind of explanation for, like, how the paradox began or what the reason for it was. Because they... they talk a little bit about how they can only jump within, I think, 57 years of the yeah, creation of time it, travel. It's
1: 53 years, and the creation, I think, is like 19... It was like it, 1985, I 1985, I which is, I believe is the time the book was released. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, yeah.
0: So you can only jump 57 years in either direction, towards the future, towards the past. If you go outside of that, it, they don't really say what happens. They just kind of say it's problematic and you shouldn't do it. So I was kind of thinking that maybe that time paradox was created because somebody had jumped more than that, that set... Creation and something had happened with time that made these impossibilities possible so i was a little disappointed when there wasn't a reveal like that to explain that i guess just like the analytic like dork inside of me was like you can't have birth to a baby of your own baby what but yeah i don't i don't know like it's a really fun movie and would it be ruined by that level of explanation would it be like too deep like what you were saying blake i don't know i feel
2: like it wouldn't ruin it because i think this is a movie it's better to just not really question its logic it's more when you just have to kind of sit back and just marvel at the fact that the Spear brothers can pull off this story pretty well i mean for the most part, like, we are pretty amazed by all the plot twists that they do. And, like, you don't really question it. And so I think by going really, like, trying to analyze every single detail is kind of silly. Because, I mean, they so painstakingly craft the storyline as is in a way that is convincing. So, I don't know. I just think, like, not questioning it is good enough.
1: Yeah. yeah and I think this is also a situation where you see the inherent limitations of making a movie based off of a book. You know, this is like... I. In fairness, I haven't actually read the book it's based off, which I really should do. But from people I've talked to who have both read the the book and seen the film, it's one of the better adaptations, you know, of of his works. And it's I think it like it's a it's a story that works really well as a movie. But with a book, you've got you know 400 pages. You have so much time to explore things like oh, what's outside those 53 years that you just don't have in a film. And so it's gonna it, I think like inherently it's gonna suffer from some of those problems of like well, I want to know more about this and. Maybe this is. What if this caused that? And like, like you're saying, it's you know, it's a movie where you just kind of have to go with it and accept the the premises it's based off. And if you can do that, then
2: it'll kind of take you the rest of the way. It is funny though watching this because I I do think it is a really effective movie. But it's surprising to me that it wasn't more popular. I feel like it came out kind of at the beginning of 2015 and didn't make a huge splash. But I feel like I feel like this is a total cult movie in the making. So. I mean, I'm hoping it gets more of a following over the years. Like, I feel like I would probably be a part of that following. But, yeah, like, it is so... It doesn't feel like a low-budget sci-fi. Like, the way it's constructed, its ideas are so successfully delivered that it feels a lot bigger than it is. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how its legacy will kind of continue being redefined as the years progress. I think part of it might be that it, it kind of came off the coattails
1: of Looper yeah,
0: that's which true. was a much
1: more popular time travel movie. I, Looper just had like a bit more star power in terms of people acting in it. There might have been like just a little bit of oversaturation mm-hmm. and, and around that time period and so it's like oh another time travel movie I don't really <laughs> care. That that might be part of it but yeah. I'm not sure. It, it, it is strange. It's a movie that I think for how good
2: it is it's strange that it escaped as much public attention as it did. Yeah, certainly. And I feel like, too, Sarah Snook's performance is so good that I do wonder if this movie had a little more publicity or a bigger budget, if she would receive Oscar attention, because, I mean, yeah, the movie is really lighthearted, but her performance is so committed in pretty much every aspect. You really feel the emotional weight that her character suffers throughout the movie, and so, you know, I am curious about that. Although sci-fi doesn't get a lot of love by the Academy anyway. And, I mean, what she's doing, I mean, she's doing some pretty
1: just technically impressive acting. I mean, mm-hmm. she is, for most of her performance in the movie, she is acting as, you know, a woman or a man who is learning how to talk like a man, you know, who is, whos who has gone through this this sexual, you know, sex reassignment surgery. And, like, convincingly acting that and acting someone trying to, like, lower their voice, That's that's impressive. And I think there's just, like, a lot of technical stuff she's having to do as an actor that is challenging that, like makes it that much harder
2: to also do a convincing job in the role. And that's, yeah, I really appreciate that effort. Yeah, and, like, too, to be so committed to the part and not, because I think if she took, if she was too serious in the role or if the movie took her performance too seriously, it would drag down the lightheartedness, so it does complement it really well. Like, it's, she's very committed, but it's also not, you know, dragging the rest of the movie down along with that. (laughs) So have you guys heard of the movie Primer? I've heard of it, I have heard of it. I
0: have not seen it.
1: Okay, so I've seen Primer uh, twice. So to to give a little background on Primer, I I mentioned like kind of the sliding scale where on one side you have like very scientific, very jargony, kind of exploring the science part of science fiction. The other side is kind of more of your back to the future where it's, yeah, the science is there, but the focus is on kind of this, the characters and the comedy and and the juicier parts of the story. So Primer is on way the other, Primer is like 100% on the jargony side. It's probably the most obtuse and difficult movie I've ever seen. I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. It's like, I've heard it compared to 2001 in terms of like just how difficult it is to kind of get at first. But basically, uh, it was written, directed, edited, and starred by a guy who's like an engine like a math and engineering major and his goal was to make a time travel movie that doesn't explain anything to its audience it's just like you see them you see them like these scientists and engineers working on the math of of a time travel machine accidentally creating it and then using it to try to like trick each other and like they're they're each they each have their own reasons for using it and they're trying to outsmart each other with it but you have to figure out how it works entirely on your own. Very little of it is, like, laid out to the audience, which is really interesting. It also makes for, like, a really incomprehensible first watching <laughs> the movie. Like, you'll watch it the first time, and if you don't have a friend who's seen it before with you, you're going to be like, what did I just watch? And on the sec- if you watch it a second or third time, you'll start to slowly get it. But that's a fantastic movie. And it is much lower budget than even this one. It has basically no special effects. It's all the the process of time travel is all told just through, you know, the cinematography and just, you know, through regular filmmaking conventions.
0: Mm. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah I want to check that out. No, definitely. Speaking of... The special effects of time travel. We should talk about what it looks like in this movie because it's not like your Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where you're riding. What is it? The telephone booth? Yeah, you're not going through, time time... through like a wormhole. Yeah, you're not going through I hyperspace wish. like in Star Wars. <laughs> right. Um, in this in this film, there's a violin case that's got some little scroll wheels on the side that tell you the time and the date. You press the button for where you want to go, and then you kind of like open it up a little bit. You just go poof yeah. out of out of existence, and when the it's just like a hard cut. The people are there, the next cut, they're not there, and then all the objects around them just kind of like fly and fall over. It's like a It creates like a little
1: sonic boom, yeah, like a really small one and and just everything kind of blows away and then you're, you're gone in a snap
0: what you said about primer about time travel just kind of being like you have to infer what it looks like you have to think about it they do the same thing with this the first time that Ethan Hawke's character takes Sarah Snook character through time he says we're jumping 20 years close your eyes and then they don't close their eyes right and you don't see what they see but they're so shook up from what it is they're like what was that I can't believe what I just saw like it was awful so I like that you just have this idea that it's causing them this trauma, but you don't see it, and that's another thing that they talk about is that time travel and repeated use in this world, this variation of time travel, can cause like dementia, and Ethan Hawke's character does kind of go insane later on. So. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really, it, like, it is, it is, it takes a toll on you physically and mentally, and I really think that's some of the best science fiction in general uses that kind of showing and not telling, and it's like. You know something horrible traumatic has happened to these characters but it's more fun if it's left up to your imagination and so like for me i imagine oh if you're time traveling 20 years in the past you know you are in in the instant like in a fraction of a second you are experiencing 20 years of time go before your eyes and so that's why you have to close your eyes because otherwise you have to like reel from experiencing 20 years in one moment and that's horrifying like that would that could drive (laughs) you insane
0: I like that idea a lot. Yeah.
1: But what's great is that's like my interpretation, but you know, who knows? Like it's it's not told to the audience and that's what makes it it's just the, that imagination is really fun and that it gives you room to feel kind of like you're being taken on this adventure where you don't there's like there's not time to understand everything cuz we got to go, we got to go find this bomber and that it makes it a more like a romantic and kind of fantastic journey.
0: And I'd watch a time travel movie that was like more on the fantasy end that had that idea, you know, maybe the the main characters travel through time, but every time they do their jump, their 20 year jump forward or backwards, they do experience the fullness of the 20 years. It fe- it happens in an instant real time, but they experience it like as if it's 20 years. So then you would have to, s- may- you maybe see like the best time travelers would learn from those experiences and be very wise, like smart, <laughs> kind of like Dr. Who esque, kind of eccentric, but really smart characters. And then the poorer, less intelligent time travelers would be like damaged and, Emotionally, um, I don't know, you, fragile because of it.
1: Right. You know, it reminds me of the port keys from Harry Potter, oh. uh, which is like a very similar concept. You grab onto this, and it's like, and all in all, of sci-fi and fantasy, it's like no one ever tells you what you're getting into, even though they could, and you <laughs> would like make the experience a lot better. It's like, it's like Harry, grab onto this thing. Why? I'll just do it, and then like, just suddenly you're like ripped through space and time to <laughs> this other location. But it's the same thing in Harry Potter. It's like you're reeling from being physically thrown from one place in the universe to another but the more experienced people you know uh, i think it's in goblet of fire that they first use them it's like they they just kind of like casually stroll down to the ground because they've done this before and again that's like a great way of alienating the audience a little bit but also making them empathize with the main character because you too are thrown into this world where it doesn't make any sense and you're empathizing with this person who doesn't know the rules of time travel because you're going on that that kind of journey with them
2: yeah, that's certainly. a perfect time to
0: take a little break. Oh, is it? Yeah, take <laughs> a deep breath because it's time for Fun
2: Facts with Blake. Oh, the best time of the year. Yeah, it is the season. <laughs> um, whoa, whoops. Okay, so Sarah Snoke spent usually more than four hours every morning in the makeup chair when she was being transformed into John, what is interesting is I feel like the makeup, I mean, it's pretty good, but it seems pretty minimal. So, like, the fact that it took four hours is...
0: They gave her kind little chin well. hairs.
2: Little chin hairs, yeah. Because she
0: was taking uh, testosterone.
2: That's true. Yeah. Good detail there. This is also supporting actor Noah Taylor's third appearance as a supervisor of a time traveler. He played similar roles in Vanilla Sky and in Edge of Tomorrow, which is another really fun time travel movie.
0: Isn't um, isn't Noah Taylor also in Game of Thrones as like, that one really bad dude who cuts off Jamie Lannister's hand? I Anybody? Mean, oh, I'm pretty sure. You're
1: talking yeah. about Locke, right? Yeah. That is him, yeah. I never even made wow. that connection.
2: I feel like yeah. everyone's in Game of Thrones. I mean even that Sheeran's in an episode. So <laughs> that, also that would be crazy. What like
0: are you in season eight? I Are watched, you the Dragon?
2: I want what? You said Are You the Dragon? <laughs> I don't know what that means okay. because I only watched the first like nine episodes of the first season and then like I think someone like stabbed Sean Bean in the ankle and I was like, I'm over it so you know. Can't Fair. can't okay. handle that violence. Yeah. Especially knowing He get he gets better. I mean, I don't, I've heard he doesn't get better, so. And you know, I've heard there's like that red wedding thing, which you know, I don't think I could handle that personally. Like violence, gross, I'm gonna throw up. Anyway, back to my fun facts. So the fizzle bomber in the storyline was not in the original story. So, like, he was just included to add this additional conflict to kind of fill the running time. Because if they didn't have him, it would be a little bit shorter and abbreviated. But, like, other than that, like, the Spirit Brothers tried to be as detailed as possible as they couldn't really try to make a really faithful adaptation. In early bar scenes where um, Ethan Hawk is talking to the John character, um, every time the camera looks at Ethan, the angle changes a little bit. And if you, like, notice sometimes... The bathroom sign, you can see it above his head, and sometimes it says gentlemen, and sometimes it says ladies, which foreshadows the final plot twist, obviously. And so at the beginning of the movie, the agent, when he sees his new face for the first time, he says, like, I've changed so much, I doubt my own mother would recognize me, which is, like, kind of ironic, because, you know, mother's same person. So, are my fun facts. Not not a lot. Those are fun. I like those. They're pretty fun, yeah. yeah. like those little
1: touches like that. Yeah, huh. They're, that's, like... And, I mean, that's always a good sign of a time travel movie is when they're really cheeky with the foreshadowing. Uh, This movie is great with that. There's all, in the bar especially, there's so many little moments where they're like, maybe I'm the fizzle bomber. (laughs) Wouldn't that be crazy, huh? And it's like, on a second watch, it's almost a little too much. It's like so... But like we've said, it kind of works because the movie is, it's like 80% serious. And it's got that 20% of just, like, Kind of sarcastic, like whatever. These are my rules. You're going to go along with them. Mm-hmm. I think it makes it work. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: this movie is really fun despite being like fairly predictable. Yeah, you know well, you think it's predictable? Yeah, I, I mean, I like
1: it's predictable. Well, well, I mean, all. once did, did you did you see the like the you know they are their own mother twist coming?
0: Um, <laughs> I didn't see that? the I didn't see the I am my own mother <laughs> twist coming, but I did see the to the man and the woman being the same person coming. Like right I after guess. right <laughs> after Ethan Hawke was getting in like getting a new face put on, you know, and then we see this new person and it was just so heavily implied that they were getting groomed for time traveling and like, oh my man, I'm the Philip Bomber and
2: I was like I have a feeling that there's some trickery at work here. Yeah. Also, I just fair. like love the idea of you watching ten minutes and just like knowing the entire plot. It was not that's ten. Like, <laughs> t- it
0: took me the, It was like at the end of the flashback. You know, right before but, yeah. they went downstairs to do the time traveling, I was like, I'm pretty sure. It's the same I like person. it too
2: because there are, like enough odd touches to where you know you're kind of like preparing yourself for a plot twist a little bit, and you're not positive. So, like, I think that makes it more fun too, is you're expecting something and it still isn't really what you expect. So
0: yeah, yeah. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the set design, just like the period piece ness of it because they they're in a, several different parts they're in the '60s they're in the '40s and they're in the '80s a little bit yeah uh, but the '80s is just kind of this scientific looking area you don't really see any like society but for the parts where the, they're in the 40s and they're in the 60s, all the costuming, all the sets are so convincing. And it's not like, they don't try to ham it up and make you go, oh, <laughs> look at all these hippies hanging out in this bar. Ha ha, it's the 60s. Well, it's like, do that voice. thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that at all. It's, it's, uh, it's subtle, but it's really convincing. And I appreciate yeah.
2: that. Oh, for sure. And they've
1: got, well, what I love about it, and this kind of reminds me strangely of her a little bit, you know, in her, you've got this like soft sci-fi setting where it's, you know, it's like what, that movie's like 10, 15 years in the future, I think, and you've got, like, this city that's, like, really, it's, like, huge L.A. It's, like, bigger than a realistic city could be, but only by a little bit. And this movie has some of that, too, where it's, like, oh, they're sending these women, these cadets off to, like, Space Corps. And it's, like, okay, this is a version of the 60s where, like, we have people like regularly going out into space enough to the point where they need like auxiliary i mean i guess i guess we should be more specific space Corps is like this i don't know if in the book if it's just a cover the organization is like advertised as like sex relief for lonely male astronauts
0: oh really (laughs) that's
1: yeah i mean that's what they are in the movie as well like that's what she originally said Is signed, that what they are did, in the oh yeah that, that's the did point did you of that. pick
2: up on that blake i don't pick up on anything so. i was so, yeah, <laughs> i did not so, catch that so at her, all. the
1: original thing she signs up for is like like a comfort women thing it's like oh you know you're gonna get to go to space uh but you know the the deal is you're you know essentially you're going to be like a sex slave to these men and it's dressed up in all of this like you know oh you're doing it for the good of your country and everything but so it's it's got, like, this very soft dystopian, sci-fi dystopian vibe to it. It makes it so the movie is still realistic, but it kind of, like, gives it this little sheen of science fiction. But, of wow. course, the, the twist is that that organization is a cover for what they're really trying to do, which is find someone who is physically and mentally strong enough to have the job of being a, a time travel agent. Although they, it could be possible they're also using it to achieve their main goal of sending sex slaves into space if it's a robert henlon novel you know there's going to be some dark dark stuff going on there's one other time travel movie i was going to reference and if you like kind of the fun tongue-in-cheek style the ultimate movie that's farthest on that is called frequently asked questions about time travel
2: i've heard about that too
1: that's a great film uh, another movie that i think did not get the public attention it deserved but it follows these three schlubby guys who are all science fiction nerds and of course they discover, you know, or they accidentally stumble into time travel, and it's just, it's a great, it's a sad, I mean, it's like the Spaceballs of, uh, of time travel <laughs> movies. It's a great parody of Back to the Future and all of the other kind of classics, but it's great because it does not take itself seriously at all. It's got, like, a scene where a giant ant randomly like, crushes one of the main characters and kills them instantly. It's just, it's a silly, bizarre movie, and I love it.
0: You know, that reminds me, uh, this is kind of a tangent, and I apologize for it, uh. but um, have you all seen trailers for that movie that's coming out called Downsizing, where the people become oh, yeah, small? It's, like it's like
2: Honey, I Shrunk Myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like in concept, it should be good, because, like, the ensemble's great. It's directed by Alexander Payne, who's directed a lot of really good stuff, but yet I just think it looks dumb. It's Kristen, Kristen Wiig and Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Jason Sudeikis.
0: So, there's two different trailers for it, and I went with my girlfriend to see a movie I think it was Murder on the Orient Express. And mm-hmm. there was a there was the trailer for it beforehand where it was, they just, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to get small, and like, that's basically all the trailer told you, and we were like, what the heck is the conflict in this movie? So we spent, <laughs> like, after the movie, we were just going back and forth, like, what happens, what's the conflict, and we were guessing, you know, oh, natural disaster, but wait, that would be any time it rained, or like, oh, maybe maybe it's bugs, because like, they're really small, what if it's just like, a wasp shows up? <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. Now, it turns out Kristen Wiig gets too scared, and she doesn't downsize, so it's just Matt Damon, he has Freaking to be crusted. small. She has, he has to be small by himself. I was um, going to
1: say, it'd man. be great if it turned Turned out to be like halfway through, you realize it's a crossover with the B movie and Barry, Barry, <laughs> Barry B voiced by Seinfeld like flies in and, and he's like a, mo- <laughs> you know, a giant monster to them and tries to kill them wow I would love a
2: B movie crossover for really anything any yeah I yeah. can't think of a movie that wouldn't be improved by having no, I think any movie. Any, any movie could be you just don't see him He's too small that's true I he think might about be there that. he could be there that's the good we could just any, tell ourselves that
1: any movie that takes place in a climate with like flowering <laughs> plants
0: it probably has Barry <laughs> probably, B probably a crossover. B movie yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. in the background yeah
2: <laughs> uh, Okay. Do
0: you think we do have anything else? Is that is that us really for this don't. week? I I I I
2: feel like I, I covered all the things I wanted to Alex, say.
0: can I get a picture of your diagram to put oh. on our on our Twitter? Yeah, do you want it?
2: I can take it or if you uh, want I can take it. Thanks. Okay. Oh wow. Before
1: I give it to you, I, I had a few other like madman scrawlings on the other side Yeah, show. let's yeah. hear them. Give them. I think I got to of of these. Oh, I we went over the makeup the makeup in this movie is like really great, both on uh, Sarah Snook, but also on Ethan Hawke the the blast. like mm. it's very like his kind of you know, messed up face looks really great. Uh, It's only in one scene, but they do a great job.
0: Yeah, Um, it's it's kind of stomach-churning, actually. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, final thoughts?
2: Final thought. Definitely a fun, layered sci-fi movie that you don't see a lot of the time. I think it's a movie that suffers a little bit from repeated viewings, but, I mean, the first time you watch it, you're just going to be, like, amazed by the audacity of these directors. So, yeah. And then performances are great, so if you really like your cerebral... Sci-fi. Go with this one. Good pick.
0: I feel the same way. I think my favorite thing about this movie is is how subtle it is. I like mm-hmm. that you don't see all the special effects of the sci-fi. It just kind of like poof, you're gone. You're in the next place. <laughs> Ethan Hawke is fantastic, and so is Sarah Snook. They're both really good. It's it's fun to have a movie that has such a grand story, but has so few characters because you get to connect with them. And mm-hmm. it's also this movie is not really told in a terribly linear way. So it's a another kind of fun journey into nonlinear storytelling.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a movie that has... It's not perfect. It has its own fair amount of of issues with it, but it's so refreshing to see uh, a movie that is made confidently and that has a vision it sets out for itself that it accomplishes. And I think it's a movie that has a surprisingly large amount of emotional heart to it. Sarah Snook has, like, a huge amount of... I mean, just, like, the the first half of the movie is all in the past, although maybe in the future, depending on how you're looking at it, but it's all kind of her backstory... And her backstory is like very like sad and just it's a it's emotionally powerful and I think she does an amazing job conveying a lot of that.
0: Let's do some recommendations. Should right. I go first? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so for for this week, I wanted to recommend a couple of movies we've already mentioned. I'm going to recommend the Looper because it came out around the same time. We talked about action being like story propelling versus like actual fighting. Looper definitely has more fighting, but I think it also is similar in this way to this movie where there is a lot of forward momentum without it being violent at all times. It also deals with the same character at different stages of their life. And Looper's a lot of fun. And then I think tonally, I wanted to suggest something similar. This movie feels a little bit Christopher Nolan-y to me, just the way it looks. So I would recommend the Prestige If you're into kind of the feel of this movie, kind of the almost steampunkiness of it at points. So yeah, I'd recommend The Prestige. And then just if you're looking for really, really fun, goofy, lighthearted time travel, I would super duper recommend Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
2: (laughs) Rock on. Rock on. Um, So I just picked two this week. Um, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but one of mine is Edge of Tomorrow, which is another time travel movie, but... Also, in general, I feel like one of the more underrated movies of the decade, like, I think it was kind of unfairly written off as this failure because, like, it wasn't that commercially successful, and everyone's really, like, trying as hard as they can to turn Tom Cruise into a has-been. But it's really fun and really, really, really funny and definitely boasts Tom Cruise's star power. Emily Blunt's really good in it. It's just an all-around really... Effective popcorn movie, and then kind of going off low-budget sci-fi. There was a movie that came out a few years ago called *Europa Report*, which is kind of like a Blair Witch project in space, but that has like no budget at all, but manages to be like a really thrilling sci-fi adventure. So check those two movies out. Yeah,
1: I agree with all of those, and uh, kudos for mentioning *Europa Report*. Yeah. I don't hear much about that movie. It's so underrated. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with all those, and I guess I would recommend the two I mentioned earlier. Which in terms of tone could not be more different Uh, primer and frequently asked questions about time travel But if you like this movie you kind of have your pick and if you thought You know, I guess you have like that decision branching chart if you liked if you like predestination And you want more of the science watch primer if you want more of the fiction watch uh, frequently asked questions about time travel But yeah both both great time travel movies Perfect.
0: Alex, thank you so much for joining us. It was such such a pleasure. We got to get you back on to talk about another time travel movie sometime. I think we could make it into a a series. (laughs) Maybe maybe we've already done it. Oh, I think (laughs) you're right. Wait, is this my face?
1: Uh, Aiden, I'm sorry, you know too much. No, I've got a kill you, you can't have a gun can in the you, studio. Can you insert a gun sound effect? I, wow, <laughs> I can look online. That's for such while. A good okay. acting. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I'm gonna attempt to do our sign off now. <laughs> no. uh, if you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Android, and on our website uwpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Filmcast, and you can find us on our personal accounts at Aiden Walkero or at Blake W Peterson. If you want to write to us with a suggestion for a movie to watch, just want to share your thoughts or tell us anything at all, you can write to us at cinemaadventurepodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please share it with a friend so we can get the word out about it. And if you want to follow along with us next Monday, we will be talking about Dress to Kill. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Adios. Bye. <laughs>
2: what drunk food is like in other places? My name is Dee Dee Madigan, host of the weekly podcast Home Plates, where are ask that question and many more. Each week, an international student joins me here in the studio to discuss their food culture. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday right here on the Soundbite Network.
0: For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.